0: God, please, Lord, uh, help me exposit and explain this precious truth to these dear students. Lord, they're going, they go through a lot, Lord, and they're battling a lot. They're tempted with a lot. And I just, I hope that this can be a time where they're encouraged. So God, please encourage my own heart. Lord, we're all sinners in here. We're all broken and we all need your grace. We need um, what your son provides. And so I pray that you would provide that tonight in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Kind of an honest question to ask yourself, and I'm not going to be too um, afraid to ask it, but what, what are you most insecure about in your life? What makes you most insecure? And think about the word insecure. It's something that maybe shakes you in- internally. Something that causes doubt or um, anxiety or worry. And maybe another question is what, what do you fear? Perhaps it's the way that you look and every single time that you go on Instagram you are reminded that you're not as pretty as that girl and you get insecure. Maybe it's the way that you eat, you're always thinking about body image, then you're always thinking about what you're eating. And so this insecurity then leads to habits of binging and purging and perhaps it's friends. You want to be liked by friends, but there's someone that's maybe cooler than you or gets more attention than you and you, you really care about your reputation and when you're made fun of, it makes you really insecure. And you fear your reputation being marred. Perhaps you're really insecure about your grades. And if you don't get an A, you're not going to get that scholarship. And you're not going to be accepted into that school. And your parents aren't going to be happy. And you're going to disappoint them. And it causes fear and insecurity. Perhaps it's the starting position that you have, but you haven't been playing good. And so you're a little insecure that the coach is going to bench you Um, or maybe it's your relationship with your parents maybe there's a sibling that you have that gets more affection uh, so it seems or you don't get the affirmation that you wish you would get and it leaves you insecure leaves you worrying and anxious longing for security longing to be longing to belong um, to have a sure foundation perhaps as a Christian it's your own salvation, what makes you insecure every single time that you sin. That besetting sin that you have, that ongoing sin, it leaves you feeling insecure. That's what sin does, that's natural, but your mind spirals into thinking, I, I, I'm not a good Christian, I, you know what, I sin so often and so wrongly that I can't perhaps be a Christian because Johnny or Susie over there, I mean, they don't have that that struggle that I do. And so you're insecure in your faith. Maybe you're so insecure that you've believed that you're going to lose your salvation. that God is going to keep you at arm's length and he's going to cast you out. This is real stuff. And this is the topic. This is what I want to confront. This problem that we all have this longing for security. This longing to belong. And my goal tonight through the text is to persuade all of you, each and every one of you, non-believers, whether this is your first time, you don't know much about Christianity or or you know, you don't trust Jesus, you don't live for Jesus, whether that's you, and I'm so glad that you're here. Welcome, we're so thankful that you're here. You're not a project to us, you're a soul, we wanna care for you. Or whether you're a believer, my goal is to persuade both of you, every single one of you, That according to the scriptures, that you can have an eternal security. You could have confidence. You could have security in this life. And that security is found in Jesus Christ, who promises an eternal life that can never be lost. And this eternal life that can never be lost is the foundation for your motivation to live a confident life for Jesus. I want each and every one of you, if you profess Jesus, to live confidently for him. And maybe your faith has waxed and waned recently. And know what you need. You need to get your eyes off yourselves. You need, to, you need to realize what you have in Jesus Christ. And let that motivate you and spur you to love and good deeds. And that's my goal. Is to persuade each and every one of you to encourage you. So turn with me to John chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, please bring your Bibles. If you don't have it, it's okay. We don't look down on you. You could use your phone. I won't look down on you for that. John 6, verses 35 through 40. And the context of John chapter 6 is that Jesus just fed the 5,000. And so he's got this mega church following him around. He's got 5,000 or so. Actually, that's 5,000 men, not including children and women, that are following him. And this crowd has seen Jesus do mighty works. They've seen miracles, but they're still plagued by unbelief. They're longing for this bread from heaven Jesus was talking about, this bread that gives eternal life, and he's calling himself the bread of life. And they're saying, Sir, Jesus, give us this bread, because they're anxious. They're unsure that they have eternal life. They want eternal life. So that problem of security is there. And I love what, this is one of the best, most encouraging passages. Look what Jesus says to them. This is our text. John 6, 35. So let's start in verse 34. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread, this eternal life is what he's talking about. They need it. And Jesus says to them, You want it? Well, guess what? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you, this crowd, have seen me and yet you do not believe. That's the problem. You don't have belief. All that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not, not to do my own will, but the will of him, God the Father, who sent me. He's on this mission. That's why Jesus came. And this is the will, the sovereign will of God who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all, talking about people that God has chosen for Jesus, that I should lose none of them that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. Verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall should have eternal life and i will raise him or her up on the last day so jesus you're the master theologian here so we have a theological question eternal god son of god i have a question you're all knowing is it possible for a christian to lose their salvation And Jesus answers us when we ask that. Verse 37, all that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. But Jesus, what if they commit such a horrific sin? You mean like Jesus replies? You mean like the sin that David committed? Verse 37, again, let me remind you that all the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. But Lord, what about my professor in college? Loved Jesus for 30 plus years. He he was a a professor at the Master's College where I went to school. In 2017, Jesus, he, he denied the faith. He denied that Jesus was the eternal Son of God. Certainly, he professed Jesus. Everyone thought he was saved. He certainly lost his salvation. And Jesus replies to me and he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. If If he was of me, if he came to me, I would have never cast him out. Okay, okay, I understand, Jesus. But what about my sister? What about my family member? We sat with her. We shared the gospel with her. We cried with her. She received the gospel. She rejoiced. We rejoiced with her. And she professed faith. But then months went by and she ended up denying you through her lifestyle. Both of these are true stories. Certainly, Jesus, she lost her salvation. Jesus would reply, he says, friend, haven't you heard of the parable of the sowers? That I cast out seed and sometimes the seed lands on the hard soil, but Satan snatches it up. And sometimes the seed falls on the, the, the rocky soil and it sprouts up with joy. It seems like it's alive, but trials come and it withers, showing that it's not really of me. And don't you remember the, the thorny soil that the, 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 the seed sprouts up and it looks like they're, they're a live plant, but then the world chokes it out. But remember the parable of the sowers, that unless it falls on the good soil, representing the heart, and produces fruit of faith, it is counterfeit. And then Jesus would say to me, he said, and don't, haven't you heard verse 37? All that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. If she had come to me, if she was a Christian, I would have never cast her out. Okay, okay. But what about men like Joshua Harris? You know, the famous pastor who wrote books, I Kissed Christianity Goodbye. Or no, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. He did kiss Christianity Goodbye. He was a pastor. He he was he believed all these doctrines. He wrote a book on all this, the sermon series. And he came out and, and he, he rejected the face. And, and what about all, all the wannabe TikTok theologians who are deconstructing their faith and denying Christianity? They say convincingly that they really did believe at one point. I mean, it, it, it certainly, they lost their salvation. Jesus would reply, truly it breaks my heart to see their unbelief. But haven't you heard what I wrote through my disciple whom loved me, John, in 1 John 2.19? When he talked about those who left the faith, he writes in 1 John 2.19, They who went out from us, who left the faith, but, uh, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of the church, if they had been Christians, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are not all of us. Plus, Jesus would reply, haven't you heard, verse 37, all that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Every single objection that I could come up with, Jesus' words in verse 37, silences me. It silences us. And so the question then is, okay, it can't be that simple, but how can this be? How can Jesus claim this? On what grounds can we have eternal security? Because this is good news. But how is it? Why is it that Christians will not lose their salvation? Point number one, because our eternal security is grounded in Christ. It's grounded in Christ, in this union with Jesus. And we receive eternal life through believing in Christ. So if salvation, eternal security, is found or grounded in Christ, therefore, the way that we receive eternal life is by trusting in Jesus. Where do you get this in the text? Look at verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me or believes in me or receives me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst shall never thirst. And look at verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son or believes or receives the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. So the reason why you and I, if if you are in Christ, and the reason why you could have security if you do not know Jesus is because of who Jesus is. So what do you do when you feel like you have no security in your life, that your faith is faltering? When you're anxious or unsure or guilty or feeling shame or doubting, where do you look? If you were on a ship and someone went overboard, you know, Johnny goes overboard. You see him and he, the waves are crashing and he's overwhelmed and he's, he's anxious. He's worried he's going to die and he's trying to swim, but he, he can't breathe. And, and you're just, you're up there. What are you going to say to him? Hey, Look to the waves. Look how big they are. You know, look how big they are, man. Like, is that going to encourage them? You know, focus on your stroke, right? Paddle, doggy paddle a little bit harder. Where where do you look in times of overwhelming, When when you're overwhelmed in your life, when you're anxious, when you're worried? Where do you look to? Is it to your circumstances, the waves, the trials? Is it to your own swim stroke, which is just your performance, your good works. No, if you're you're telling that person, you're going to be like, look to the life preserver right next to you, grab a hold of that. Look to Jesus, the one that can save you. Look by faith at who Jesus says that he is, because he is the source of eternal life. And if you trust in Jesus Christ, then all that is his is yours. Colin Jones used a great illustration. I don't, he probably stole it from someone. I'll still give him credit. Uh, But he talked about what faith is. And if you go and you look at my wife's hand, you'll see on her hand, she has this beautiful ring. And if Christ is the diamond in all of its beauty, all the benefits and riches of grace, faith is the band that clings to the diamond, right? It holds it secure, and so when you trust in Jesus, you grab hold of the preciousness of Christ, the loveliness of Christ. And in that you are secure so that whenever Caitlin looks down at her ring, she's reminded that there is a covenant, an eternal covenant before God that nothing that JT does or that I do will, should separate us from each other. It reminds her of her vows. And when we looked at Jesus... We're reminded of where the source of our salvation is. So belief results in eternal life. But on the flip side, as we see in the text, the problem is unbelief. Unbelief always results in insecurity, in worry, in fear, and ultimately condemnation. What does Jesus say? Look at verse thirty-six. But I said said to you that you have seen me, yet you do not believe. They don't believe in Jesus. Sin has a root problem. And you know what that root problem is? It's unbelief. Whenever you sin against God, you are choosing to to not believe his promises. You know, even the atheists have faith, they do. There's no such thing as someone that just doesn't have faith. What is, so the question is, what is unbelief? Unbelief is just a misplaced trust. It's a misplaced trust in things other than God. It's a misplaced trust in people, in yourself, in your good works, in, in anything that you could think of, rather than God. Which then results in uncertainty. And isn't that true? What... <laughs> When do we tend to lack security in our lives? No matter the person in here, the reason you lack security and are insecure about your life and things in your life or your status as a Christian is because ultimately you put your trust in things other than God. Your eyes are not on Jesus. You're not looking to him. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the one that can nourish you. And so this is why we must repent of our unbelief and look to Jesus by faith. He is the grounds, the source of our salvation. But unbelief is the source of condemnation. So, eternal security is grounded in Christ. Christ is the source of it. That's why we could have it. But what do you say to all the objections and all the examples of people in in my life that at once profess faith? Some of you have friends and family members. I know that. I do too. I use real life examples. And the reason why a lot of people believe that people can lose their salvation is because of people in your life that you've seen that you thought knew Jesus and they're dear to you and you saw them walk away and it's so sad, right? How is it that you can believe that they weren't really saved? (laughs) Because not only is our eternal security in Christ. That when we grab hold of Christ, we receive it. But ultimately, our salvation is guarded by Christ. And that's my second and final point. It's guarded by Christ. We can have eternal security because it's guarded. It's defended by Christ. You know, Jesus is the best defender of the sheep. I always picture like, we're all sheep in here, but Jesus is the good shepherd, And so the sheep are attacked. Like if you actually have sheep, they're probably going to be attacked by a lot of things. And Jesus is the best defender. Anyone like to play defense? All right. All right. So we've got some defenders. Who likes offense? Okay. Okay. So most people like offense. But we all know that the best offense is the best defense. All right. Right. Defense wins championships. If Jesus were a soccer goalie, he would never be scored on. If you tried to steal the basketball from him, he would just break your ankles. <laughs> if you try to dunk on him, he will shame you and defend, defend the, the, the basket every time. He will block you every single time. You are guarded by Christ. If you were a quarterback and Jesus is the whole entire offensive line against all of Satan's armies, against every temptation... Jesus pancakes every single one of them. No one's getting to you if you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you don't have that protection. But for us, who are believers, our eternal security is guarded, defended, protected, and guaranteed by Jesus. If Jesus was my alarm system at home, it wouldn't be called simply safe it would be called eternally safe. <laughs> so how does Christ guard his sheep? And this is just, so the first point is really who Jesus is and the second is what he does to guard us. And I love this because we see it in the text. The first thing that he does is he guards us with a promise. And I've been saying this promise over and over. All that the Father gives me will come to me. They will come. Not one of them will be lost. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Jesus reiterates this word in John ten twenty four. He says this, Jesus says, I told you and yet you do not believe the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep, they hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one, not one person will ever pluck them out of my hand. You are guarded with a promise. And every objection that you can make is silenced by that promise. And another great one is Philippians 1.6, where Paul says this, I am sure of this, that he, Jesus Christ, who began a good work, that is salvation in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Notice he doesn't say, He might bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, He will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ if you try your hardest. No. You're guarded with that precious promise. And what is our response to this? This is good news because promises anchor us in this life. When we feel hopeless, they give us hope. And so if you feel like your life right now is just devoid of all joy and, and, is, and hope, you can have that in Jesus Christ. Because in this life and in this world, you are not guarded by a promise. The world says, whoever comes to me, I will give you good things, but I will cast you out. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. You can have hope in Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, there is no hope for you. You need to come to him. All who come, all, the invitation, all who come. All who come, what happens? You will never be cast out. Secondly, you're guarded by Christ's performance. It's him as the soccer goalie performing for you. It's him as the offensive lineman that's performing for you. You're guarded by his promise, but then also by his performance. Look at the text here. It says in verse 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will. So there's a job that he has. I haven't come to do my own job, but the job or the will of him who sent me. Jesus comes to this world to do something on a mission. And if that mission fails, then our eternal security fails. So where Jesus goes, we go. Therefore, our eternal security rests on the work of Jesus and not our own. It's not up to you. This is the main problem with those who believe that Christians can lose their salvation. And if you came in here believing that, I love you, but this is what it means. If you think and believe that that Christians can lose their salvation, that means two things. That in some way, shape, or form, a believer's final salvation is dependent on their own work. They have to, in order to finally be saved, Jesus did the work at the beginning, but now Christians have to maintain their salvation by their good works. And then secondly, that also implies that Christ's salvation on the cross for sinners was not enough to finally save them. You see that? All right, you received Jesus. Now it's up to you to finally make it to heaven. So you have a half-savior. half savior. You have half and half instead of whole milk. Do you want a whole savior? Someone whose salvation secures you? who actually, A salvation that actually accomplishes something? What did Jesus say on the cross? He said, It is finished. What is finished? The work that I came to do. Well, if he didn't finish the work to save us and we still have to add to his salvation, then he lied. It isn't finished. He, he failed. But what does the scripture say? It says, Hebrews nine twelve. Jesus entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of, of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. It's called eternal life, not temporary life. Right? And so, what's our response? If it's up to Jesus' work to preserve us, that means that we could rest. It means that you could stop relying on your own good works and rest in Jesus' work, and then let that resting produce in you a desire to want to live for Jesus, not to earn your salvation. It's already been earned for you. So, you're guarded by his promise, by his work or his performance. And then you're guarded by his sovereign power. And this is just, I'll just be really quick here. What does it say? All that the father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me will not cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him, that is God the father. And this is the will of God the father who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me and he will raise it up on the last day. In other words, your salvation is grounded in the eternal salvation of God that from before the foundation of the world, he chose to save sinners. And if he chose to save sinners in eternity past, he will certainly see it through. For it is God's will for all that the Father has given to Christ. It's the Father who gives and he gives liberally. And so that means that no one can thwart God's plan. It's not like, uh, like endgame where Thanos can be thwarted by all of these different ways that we could actually unravel God's plan. No, God's will was to save a people. God sent his son to secure that people by dying on the cross. And then the son sent the Holy Spirit to sanctify that people. And I, I promise you that God the Father will accomplish salvation, the son accomplishes salvation, and the Holy Spirit does as well. And he will bring you all the way home. That is Our grounds were guarded by God's sovereign power, not your own power. And I get this from 1 Peter 3. It gets really clear. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ the dead to an inheritance, listen to these words, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's awesome. And so what's our response? Peter says, in this you rejoice. In this you rejoice. It's praise and worship even though now for a little while you're tempted with various trials and you're tested the genuineness of your faith, more precious precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, that it may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This life is hard. It's chaotic. And you need to be reminded that your salvation is secure in an all-powerful, sovereign God, not in your own power. How can you say that all who come to Jesus will never lose their salvation? Not only because of the promise, the performance of Christ, and the power of Christ's sovereignty, but lastly, and most precious to me and to all of us, is that God's people are guarded by Jesus's prayers. By Jesus's prayers. Did you know that if you are a Christian, Jesus is praying for you daily? He's praying for you. By name. He knows you. All that the Father has given to me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Now this idea of Jesus praying for us isn't necessarily in the text but it's in John 17. It's all over the Bible. He's praying for his people. Imagine you are sitting at home on your phone when all of a sudden you get a notification pops up. Bing, and it's about this notification is a news article, you know, Apple News about a prominent believer, you know. And you know this believer is a he's a Christian, and he's a bold follower of Jesus. You've heard his sermons online. You've been really encouraged by his sermons. You read his books. He's a famous author. He's well known. are just he, he's encouraged you. You could tell that he's been so near to Jesus. You admire that about him. He was bold, sincere, kind, an evangelist, a leader, an example to you in the faith. But as you look at the notification and you read the headline, to your shock, it says, video of prominent pastor denies the faith publicly. You open up the link to your horror and you hear the words come out of the pastor's mouth for yourself. That publicly, he denies Jesus, and he does so three different times. What if I told you that after he came to his senses later that day, he went home and he wept bitterly over his decision? Did this pastor lose his salvation? What if I told you that he didn't? Do you want to know why? Because little did you know and he know at the time that Jesus was guarding him by prayer. Luke 22, 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. But Jesus said to him, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. A little modern day story of Peter who did not lose his salvation because he was being guarded by the prayer of Jesus. And this is true of all believers that are his children. Romans 8, 34, starting in 33, says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? And Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is now at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding or praying for us. What great news. John 17, 6. Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, he says this. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, Father, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Verse 9. And I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world. Those are non-believers. But for those who whom you have given me, for they are yours. That is a striking clear passage that our eternal security is being guarded by the prayers of Jesus Christ, our great high priest. And guess what? His prayers are always answered. This is why Jesus can confidently assert all that the Father gives to me will come to me and whoever comes to me will never be cast out. No matter how sinful, no matter how how much you've sinned in the past, present, or future, all who come to Jesus, who believe in his name, will never be cast away, will never lose their salvation. And the promise is still available for those who have rejected Jesus. That professor I was talking about, that family member I was talking about, that loved one that you know, they can still receive Jesus for the promises to all who come. And so we call them to repent and to come. And so in response to this precious truth of eternal security, grounded in Christ and guarded by Christ, if you do not know Jesus, why will you not come and receive Jesus now? Why not? He will never cast you out. Everything in this world will leave you and forsake you. You could have a security. And then secondly, if you are a believer how can you not live confidently for Jesus who has provided all this for you? How can you slack off in your faith? How is it that you could be apathetic when he's provided such a great salvation that you are secure? And when you're secure, that means you have freedom to now obey, not to go back to your sin, but to shun your sin and live for Jesus. This is beautiful, good news. It is awesome news That Jesus doesn't keep us at arm's distance. But when you sin as believers, you could come to him and you could trust that he will never cast you out. All that the Father gives to me will come to me and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Repent and turn to Jesus and come to him and receive some of the greatest news, eternal security. And let that motivate you to live for Jesus all the days of your life. I'm praying. Father God, thank you so much for these precious truths.